folks from other towns that are maybe passing through, and it's always great to see new people here. So let me encourage those of you that maybe are, are more connected here to get connected with, with the new faces and make people feel welcome so that together they can be part of this community of believers here, and together we can love our Lord, our community, and each other. It's always great to see people here. Uh, let me thank the congregation before we get into our discussion this morning for continuing to keep my mother in your prayers. Um, and for those of you that didn't know, you know, she was in a really serious car accident at the beginning of January, was in intensive care, truthfully looking at the damage and everything. She should have not made it, but um, by the power of God and I believe the power of prayer, she made it through that. And she's now at home as of Tuesday, so praise God for that. And um, she's now recovering there, doing physical therapy, working on mobility issues and things with wheelchairs and walkers. But her plan is to be up and walking like she used to soon. She's working hard to make that happen. And I truly believe it's a testimony to the power of prayer. So thank you again um, for that. I came across a, a story, and it's kind of one of those interesting factoid news stories. I don't know if it's world-changing in any way, but it was this story of this British man who was living in Southern California, and he had a pet parrot named Nigel, which, by the way, that make, that's the most British-sounding thing I've ever heard of, a guy with a parrot named Nigel. But nevertheless, he had this parrot named Nigel, and Nigel, um, he could talk and sing, and he had a British accent because that's what his owner had. And he would say different British phraseologies and things like that. Well, ultimately, that parrot got out of the house and flew off. And the owner had lost that parrot for five years and thought that there's no way he's ever going to find this parrot again. And there was this whole kind of process of how he was found. I guess he had like a microchip or something like that on him. But ultimately, apparently, this parrot, when he was returned to his owner, didn't speak English anymore. It was the exact same parrot, had the evidence of being that parrot, but yet he spoke Spanish. So being away from his owner for five years totally changed who this parrot was. From what I understand, he made his way somehow was living with a Guatemalan lady, and she took care of him, and he learned from her because she spoke Spanish. But this parrot, you know, we think a parrot, there's no way he's going to learn another language. Five years away from his owner, immersed in a different culture and a different language, he now, I'm not fluent, I'm sure, he speaks bird speak, but I mean, he knows Spanish words now and not English ones. It's also kind of funny when he was returned to his owner, he bit him too. Apparently he wasn't excited to leave the Guatemalan lady. But anyway, this bird, after he was immersed in a different language and a different culture, was able to learn something new. My encouragement for all of us is to always immerse ourselves into God's Word, into Bible study, into Christianity, so that we can learn new things and grow. If Nigel the parrot can do it, we can too. Because here's what happens. We immerse ourselves, or really we surround ourselves with the exact same thing over and over again. Maybe we don't challenge ourselves to deeper Bible study. We don't ask questions of long-time practices and beliefs. We don't question, you know, religious teaching. We just kind of just always take in what's around us as opposed to really immersing ourselves in the God's Word and saying, what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I better myself. You might be surprised. You might end up speaking a different language. Probably not Spanish, but you know what? You might be able to speak the Bible in a way that you've never known it before. So what we've been doing for these last few Sunday mornings, under the idea of trying to be strong in our faith, is we're digging into some different religious terms and questions and controversies and evaluating our own practices and even the practices of others in the light of Scripture. 
The goal in all of this is not to poke fun or not to ridicule or not to inflate even our own ego. Hopefully we even find ways that we can improve too. But the idea in all of this is to try to say, what does the Bible say? And are there ways that I can better apply and better teach and better follow what God's word has to say? Our goal as Christians is to follow Jesus. And that requires us to make changes at times and to dig in to the Bible. So what I want us to do today, and this is going to be the last lesson that has to do with kind of salvation, and we're going to go into some lessons in the next few weeks on worship as we talk about what are some of the things that we do in worship? Why do we do? I mean, you passed out these trays this morning. What's that all about? You take up, what were all these things that you do? And we're going to talk about that and evaluate those in the light of scripture in the next few weeks. But this morning, I want us to discuss a phrase that you hear thrown out a lot in, in, in Christian circles. It's the phrase, receive Jesus. And you've probably heard someone say something along the lines of that before. You need to receive Jesus. Have you received Jesus? Have you, is he your personal savior? You know, terminology along those lines. Now that phrase, receive Jesus, is not a bad phrase. I believe it is a biblical phrase. And the reason that people ask that question, have you received Jesus, is because it's a pretty serious question. It matters whether or not you have received Jesus. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about why, and then we're going to talk about what and how, and how this all works out, and what exactly does that mean. But the reason that many people will tell you to receive Jesus is because all of us have a serious problem that we got to have remedied, and that's our sin problem. Every single one of us, when we come to a, a point in our life where we can understand, you know, the um, actions that we're engaged in, the consequences of, and we have a mature mind and able to comprehend those things, we engage in behaviors, we do things that are wrong. We disobey God, we, we don't love our neighbor, we act out in a way we shouldn't act, we think thoughts we shouldn't think, and, and ultimately, every single one of us even those that don't want to admit it, that's a sin in and of itself, but every single one of us is guilty of sin. Now, that's a big problem, and I know we don't always talk about sin. You don't hear a big discussion of sin in our world today when, you know, those that are maybe running for political office, they don't ask them, all right, so what are some of the sins you struggle with? You never have that as a, as a question on the, on the campaign trail. Maybe we should, but um, this whole idea of sin is something that plagues all mankind, and the issue with that is we serve a Lord who has never sinned. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 talks about that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all ways as we are, yet was without sin. So Jesus Christ, our Lord, was sinless, but you contrast that with us, Romans 3.23, that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there's a problem here. Because Jesus is perfect, we are not. Now, on the surface, that might not seem like a big issue because, of course, Jesus is perfect, and of course I'm not. But the problem with that is that one of the universal principles throughout Scripture is that sin causes a separation between us and our God. It, does, it severs that relationship to some extent. You look in the Old Testament, and they talk about all the atonement offerings and sacrifices. That was to fix the sin problem, when you go through the Bible, you see this. In fact, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. So we've earned death, but Jesus is life. There's a problem there. 
Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 reiterates that universal truth about sin and talks about that our sins separate us from God and that our iniquities, our lawlessness, hides His face from us. So God is perfect, we are not, and because of that, there's a separation that has to be bridged. We have to fix this issue in order to be with God. So let's summarize this up as we kind of look at this. Basically this, all have sinned and all need salvation. Your preacher sinned and needs salvation. The elders have sinned and need salvation. The people on the church pews next to you have sinned and need salvation. Every single person has sinned and needs salvation. So because of our sins, we then deserve a punishment. We've earned something. Now, we don't like talking in that way a lot of times, but when you do wrong, when you sin, you do earn something. You earn punishment. And the punishment that's talked about in Scripture is that, that spiritual death, that eternal separation from God where you're not going to get to enjoy eternity with Him. So because of our sins, there's a punishment that we deserve. But Jesus came to this earth, and I know most of you understand this, that's why you're here, but Jesus came to this earth and died so that if we receive Him, there's our word we're going to be looking at today, if we receive Him, we can have eternal life. That's what we want. That's why we're here. That's why we serve Jesus. That's why we study our Bibles. That's why we pray, because we want that reward, and we don't want that punishment. And of course, we know the better men of following Jesus now. It makes your life wonderful and all that. We got that. But ultimately, at its core, we want to be in a relationship with Jesus now so that we can have a relationship with him, you know, for eternity. That's why we're Christians. Now, this phrase, receive him, is thrown around a lot in talking about how to maybe become a Christian. Now, the verse that I found that really kind of says this phraseology is Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says this, Therefore, as you have received Jesus or Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's kind of your key verse. It at least mentions this church term of receive Jesus. It's not used really frequently in Scripture. You'll hear many churches use this terminology, but truthfully, this is kind of really the only specific instance that tells you that you have received Jesus as the Lord. Now, he's looking past tense at what they had already done, but we kind of get a gist of what he's talking about here. Now, the word receive in this passage, if you didn't know, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. We speak English, so sometimes there's some things and ideas that aren't necessarily noted in the translation. So the word here that's used, paralambano, for received, can also kind of carry with it a deeper meaning to join oneself with. And we kind of get that idea. Like if I say, did you receive them into your home? That, what am I saying? I'm saying, did you welcome them in? Did you have them you know, sit down? Did they eat dinner with you? Did you, where they're sitting on your couch? That kind of idea. You joined yourself with them is that idea. It's the same way here with Jesus. If we receive Jesus, it's the same as being joined with Jesus. So the preacher gets up there and says something along, along the lines of, have you received Jesus? He should be asking kind of something along the lines of, have you joined yourself with Jesus? Because that's kind of the biblical idea of this word. Are you joined with Jesus? It's not just a mental acknowledgement of, oh yeah, 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 I, I, I get Jesus. You know, as we talked about 
You know, I believe in our, our Sunday morning Bible class last week, we were talking about faith and works and how it's contrasted in James and Romans and how James says that even the demons believe and, and they shudder. Basically, look, oh yeah, you know that Jesus is Lord, but that, that doesn't mean necessarily that you've received him. There's a lot of people out there that acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is, but they're not joined with him. They don't follow him. They're not obeying him. They don't live for him. They accept that as fact intellectually, but when it comes to living it out, truly receiving him, they have not. We need to be people that truly join ourselves with Jesus. So how do we do that? Where is there places in the Bible that talk about the process of this, of this reception, of this joining with Jesus? And the best verses that I can find to kind of reflect the how behind this go back to kind of what we looked at last week in, in the big conversion that happened there in Acts chapter 2. It happens when we come to Jesus in that moment of, of baptism. Because in Galatians 3 and verse 27, it says, For all of you who have been baptized into Christ, notice what I have highlighted up there, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's supposed to be a joining that takes place. We come into the water, one person, we come out clothed, covered. Um, older versions say, put on Jesus. So it's kind of like we were uncovered beforehand, but now we've received him. We got our, our, our new uniform. Maybe you started a new job, and the, the symbolism of you beginning that new job was they gave you the company uniform or, or the shirt that you're supposed to wear, and you put it on, and now you're received into that corporate body. You think about a sports team. You sign up for a team, you make the team, then they give you the team uniform. And you put it on and you're received into that team, you're all clothed the same way and you have a same goal in mind. If you're recruited to the Dodgers and you become a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers, you get their uniform and now you're part of that team. Here it's the same kind of idea. When you are baptized into Christ, you receive the new uniform. Now, doesn't mean that all Christians dress the same way. You understand this. He's talking about spiritually speaking, we put on and are now covered with and clothed with Jesus. So I'd say putting these together, I think Scripture teaches that it's in baptism that, that we receive Jesus. Now, I think most of us kind of at least have an understanding of that somewhat. But what I wanted us to think about today as we kind of make some application of this is this idea of joining with Jesus and receiving Jesus doesn't stop at baptism, though. Because here's what happens. Someone gets all excited, like, I'm going to get baptized into Jesus Christ. They do that, and then life goes on as normal. Have you truly joined yourself to Jesus? See, joining yourself with Jesus does not just stop at that moment when you are clothed with him. Because if you're not playing ball right, you might be off the team. If you're not re representing that team well, you might not have that uniform much longer, right? That idea here is we have to stay faithful and true and live like we have actually received Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get the Roman church to understand. He goes back to their baptism and he talks about it. He says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life means live differently. Okay? Just because we you know, receive Jesus 
if our life change doesn't follow that, are we truly joined with him? There's an expectation that a Christian is going to live for Jesus. If we're not going to live for Jesus, it's hard to faithfully wear then the name Jesus because we're not living like him. So I know I'm speaking to an audience, primarily people who have been baptized into Jesus Christ. Your Christianity didn't stop when you came up out of the water. In fact, it began there and then you move forward and it continues and it grows onward. Receiving and joining with Jesus only begins at baptism. It doesn't stop there. That's not all the end all of our Christian existence. And and I know we need to preach baptism and that's important, but that's not all of it. There's so much more. There's, There's discipleship. There's faithfulness. There's living for Jesus. There's reflecting His glory in the world. Receiving and joining with Jesus only begins at baptism. And truthfully, it is only finally realized when our life ends and Jesus receives us. Think about it. We receive Jesus there when we come out of the water, but that final reception doesn't happen until we're received into our final glorious home with him. So in between time, we have a lot to do. The in-between time, we have a, a big responsibility. You know, we got the beginning down, we got the end down, but what happens in the middle is where it counts. You know, I know most of you or many of you were at the funeral for our brother Wendell Starling yesterday. And as preparing the thoughts for that funeral, and and it's universal with pretty much all memorial services, people don't really emphasize their birth in the eulogy. And truthfully, their death isn't really emphasized in in the, the funeral word. What is emphasized is how they live their life. What happened in between time? I was thinking about that yesterday. I had some kind of some somber thoughts in my mind as I'm, I'm getting ready to go into the, the funeral chapel there at the home and, and, and share some words from Scripture. I was thinking, what would be said at my funeral? And I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks that way when you go to a memorial service. We think those same thoughts. What would be said at my funeral? What happens now? How we live now is where it counts. It's not necessarily, you know, know how you died, not that big of a deal. How you were born, not that big of a deal. But what happens in between, how we live now, how we serve others now, how we serve God now, the moment between the new birth when you became a child of God and our death is where it counts. Most of us in this room have already experienced that new birth and I know we're not dead yet, so we're in between there. And this is where it counts. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where Christianity really matters. Don't get so caught up in day-to-day life. Don't get so caught up in the routine and the monotony and everything else that goes on and it distracts us from our purpose. You know, we talk about receiving Jesus today. Yes, you receive him when you're baptized into Jesus Christ. And yes, he'll finally receive you when you go on to your heavenly home. But in our lives, we must constantly receive him. If receiving Jesus means joining with Jesus... Join up with Him every day of your life. And every day we should live for Him and bring Him glory in all that we do. My motivation to all of us this morning is live like people who are joined with Jesus. Show the world that you have received Him as your Lord. The lesson is yours this morning.
In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation song as it is our, our custom here. But what we like to do is give the, those in attendance here an opportunity to, to ask for help, to ask for guidance, to ask for prayers, to ask to receive Jesus. If you're here and you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, we can do that. If you want to study more, I'd be glad to sit down and study with you. I know our elders here would be glad to, Nick would love to, and pretty much most of the people around you love Jesus and would love to talk to you about him. But what we're going to do right now is we'll sing a song, we'll all stand when it's time to do that, and one of our elders will be up here to meet you if you have a need. But let me encourage you, if you find throughout the week, throughout your life that, hey, I need to receive Jesus, get on your phone and call somebody right then. Don't wait for a church service. You know, you read about in scripture, was it like a Philippian jailer was, was baptized at midnight, Right? I've been down here at the building late at night. We can make that happen if needed. But if you have a need, why don't you come as we stand together and sing the song that was selected.